Hello everyone and welcome to the Growth Stock Podcast where we discuss companies that we think have great future growth potential. So my name is Rohan Suresh and I'm a student currently living in Singapore. My name is uh, Tom Sigerhal and I work as a private wealth advisor in Singapore. Um, I'm specialized in stock investments and I think the most interesting area is growth stocks. Uh, when you find a growth stocks, you should hold on to it. And uh, If you own a gro- growth company over several years, the return can be uh, very interesting. Uh, before we, we continue, we, I will uh, just um, uh, quote our risk disclaimer. So nothing said in this podcast should be taken as financial advice. Always talk to your personal financial advisor before making any investment decision. There are risks associated with all kinds of investments. Um, so I will start to uh, quote uh, Peter Lynch, which was a very famous fan manager. And he has made several interesting quotes in his books and interviews through the years. And uh, this is one of them. So if you invest $1,000 in a stock, all you can lose is $1,000. But you stand to gain 10000 or even 50000 over time if you're patient. And I think that's, an, that's an, a quote that, uh, um, that, 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 that shows a bit how, how, how long-term investing can be, um, can be interesting. Yeah, so thank you for sharing, Tom. So just a quick question. What is long-term investing to you? Uh, For me, I think that long-term investment is when you hold um, the position 12 months or longer. Um, I have in my personal portfolio owned stocks for many years, uh, some some for more than 15 years, uh, actually. Um, And... If, if the company continues to de- deliver strong results, one, one shouldn't sell just because it's gone up 10, 15, or even 100%. Um, one should just hold on to these strong strong uh, performers. Um, um, that, that's my, my point of view. Um, I mean, short-term investment is for me when you b- buy and hold a position from, from a few seconds up to 12 months. The, the shorter you're expecting to hold the position, the more speculative the position is. So, Rowan, what, what is long-term investment versus short-term investment to you? Well, for me, um, being obviously much younger than you, short-term investment is, in a sense, trying to make a quick buck, not holding the position for a very long time, maybe a week up to a month at max. Um, in comparison, long-term investing would probably be holding a position for maybe six months, up to six months, because, well, being from Gen-, Gen Z, that seems like quite a long time, doesn't it? So that's what I would say. But in my eyes, long-term investing is also seeing, like b- buying a position and seeing how the value of the share, for example, appreciates over time and to me, once I see a significant gainer, I've made um, some good money off the share. I would sell it regardless of whether the company continues to perform well or not. Tom, just a question. Why not just keep cash for the long term? Because it seems like 
the risk-free option, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think that in short term, I mean, in, in, the, in, the, in the sense of less than 12 months, uh, cash is, is safe. It's the safest way to keep the value of money. However, long term, in a zero interest rate environment, the value of cash will erode uh, in value due to inflation. That is, the purchasing power of the cash you are keeping will go down over time. You can compare it with having a big ice cube or, I mean, an ice block on top of your table. You, you will see how it slowly melts away. So it's important to, to have a, a positive return and achieve a compounding effect over time. And I think owning stocks and especially growth stocks should be part of a long-term asset allocation. So today's episode is about Alibaba. Uh, Rowan, what is Alibaba? So firstly, Alibaba is traded on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange and goes by the ticker 9988. And it is also traded on the New York Stock Exchange and goes by the ticker of BABA. So that's B-A-B-A. So as most people know, Alibaba is one of the most famous and popular companies in the world and is one of the world's largest um, online e-commerce companies. It, it, it owns many, um, many well-known brands around the world and has a very, very big diversified portfolio and monetizes its services through four different platforms. That is core commerce, which includes digital retail and wholesale marketplaces, cloud computing, which includes cloud services, database storage and management, application services, etc., digital media and entertainment, which is Alibaba's new strategy to capture consumption beyond core commerce. And their final platform is innovation initiatives and others. So this is their um, sector to innovate and develop new products such as DingTalk, which I will be speaking about later. But if we look at Alibaba as, you know, the big e-commerce um, company, it is made up of three main sites, which is Taobao, Tmall, and Alipay. So Taobao is the Chinese online shopping platform, which is a customer-to-customer -customer and business-to-customer online marketplace, which enables individuals and small business owners to sell their products online through their own stores. Taobao does not charge buyers and sellers a transaction fee, but similar to Google, revenue is generated through search engine optimized advertising for sellers and revenue is also generated by charging a commission for every sale. Now second um, is Tmall, which is the business to consumer online retail platform. Um, revenue is generated by charging businesses a fee to open up their stores and it is actually the biggest business to customer market platform in China um, as they have a market share of 63.8%. Now the final um, um, site um, of Alibaba which you know concludes the big three is Alipay which is the platform used by Tmall and Taobao. So this is the Chinese mobile and online payment platform and the company Alipay generates revenue via escrow tra transaction fees, which is a concept describing a financial instrument whereby an asset or escrow money is held by a third party on behalf of 
to other parties. It also generates revenue through a range of value-added ancillary services and through its credit installment fees. So Tom, having introduced what Alibaba is, from a financial standpoint, what do you think about the company? Uh, so Alibaba's fiscal year is until end of March each year. So the fiscal year 2021, ending March, um, the, the full year revenue was uh, in US dollars 109 billion, which was a 52% increase versus the year previously. And uh, the market cap uh, is about uh, U, uh, 454 billion US dollars. And that is based on the uh, price of 167 spot 32, which was the closing price yesterday, the 9th of, of September in, in New York. Um, the, the total sales is expected to grow by 28% for the following fiscal year, ending March 2022. And uh, when I look at the forward-looking PE, so that is a PE based on expected uh, 2022 earnings, uh, again, this is end of March 2022, uh, the PE is 17. <coughs> and uh, the price sales uh, metric is 4, and uh, the expected 5-year forward-looking compound annual growth rate for top-line sales is 20%. Uh, and Alibaba has as well a net cash position in the on the balance sheet. And the net cash position is expected to grow the coming years. Uh, so Alibaba is not paying a dividend, but they are buying back shares. And the mandate is to buy back uh, 15 billion US dollar worth of shares for this fiscal year. Okay, Tom, that's that's very, very interesting. But just a quick question. What do you think about a company paying a dividend uh, versus buying back shares? I think in general it is positive when a, buy, when a company is, is paying a dividend or if they buy back shares, especially growth companies that can, if they can do the investment needed for the, for the growth and then on top, on top of that they are buying back shares or paying a dividend, it's very positive. It's, it's a sign of a fiscal discipline as, and as well uh, of a shareholder-friendly uh, management. Um, I mean, if the stock is undervalued, then it is better from a shareholder perspective if the company is buying back their own shares. But if the stock has a very high valuation, and yeah, then, then it is better if the company is paying a dividend. Um, th this would be my short answer. I mean, we could have a longer discussion, discussion about this. Um, but uh, yeah, that, so if it's a low valuation, then it's better to buy back shares. So Rowan, what, what do you find interesting about Alibaba? So, as I mentioned before, Alibaba owns a number of different companies and subsidiaries, but there are two that I find uh, particularly interesting and would like to speak about as I feel that these two companies have very promising growth potential. So, the first one is DingTalk, which I mentioned earlier, and this is a digital collaboration workplace and application development platform offering new ways of working, sharing, and collaborating for modern businesses and educational institutions. It is equipped with uh, cloud storage that allows users to share, review, and edit large, large size files. The app's smart office technology provides businesses with the platform to embrace innovation. And unlike other platforms, DingTalk allows companies to design apps according to their own needs. 
And just a fun fact that um, during the uh, coronavirus pandemic, 130 million students around the world um, had adopted DingTalk um, during the online school phase. And it was actually the platform recommended by UNESCO. Now, the reason I find this um, this subsidiary so interesting is because, well, as of right now, as many countries are moving back and forth um, between, you know, heightened alerts, lockdowns, and fully, fully reopening their economy, uh, many, many employees are now embracing a hybrid model where they work at home um, half, half of the week and they will go to work. And I think that this provides DingTalk with a very um, very promising business opportunity as it could be used as a platform for um, people working at home um, instead of the likes of other online um, video and workplace platforms. And as of March 2020, DingTalk grew by 436% year-on-year with 61.9 million users. And as of Jan 2021, there are 400 million users on DingTalk. So I think that the numbers in the future could just continuously increase. Now, the second subsidiary that I'd like to speak about is Alibaba Cloud. And this is Alibaba's uh, cloud computing service that offers a range of different services to customers, including elastic computing, database storage, network virtualization, data analytics, and many more. Now, the reason I find this subsidiary very interesting is because, um, well, personally, uh, as an Apple user, most of my files and pictures are backed up on iCloud. And it's just so easy to, you know, save your files and whatever onto iCloud. Now, in China, obviously not everyone uses an Apple device. So different companies have the potential to adopt Alibaba's um Alibaba's cloud, uh, Alibaba cloud services, and it's the same for you know people like me or Tom, where we could just um, back up our files on Alibaba's cloud services. Now, as of the first quarter of 2021, Alibaba secured Alibaba Cloud secured almost 40% of the market share of cloud solution providers in China. And another reason I find this subsidiary so interesting is because due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Demand for online entertainment, web-based entertainment, and remote work arrangements grew significantly. Therefore, consumer, uh, therefore, consumer-facing cloud services will reach a growth rate of forty-eight percent, forty-eight point nine percent. And I think it leaves it fair. To, I, I think it is fair to say that growth of China's economy will partly be sustained by uh, cloud infrastructure as more services move online. So, Tom. What are the major risks for Alibaba's stock price? I mean, regulation is a big risk. Uh, The last few months, several new regulations and announcements from the Chinese government has put pressure on Alibaba's stock price. And um, yeah, that will be be (laughs) probably the the biggest risk going forward as well. Um, And other risks are, for example, the underlying growth rate of the Chinese economy. Uh, should the Chinese economy slow down, then this would be negative for Alibaba. And competition in general is also a risk for Alibaba. There are many other competitors, big and small, where Alibaba is present. Uh, But to conclude all this that we now have have discussed, I mean, Alibaba has become one of the best-known brands in China and worldwide. 
it has a wide portfolio of rapidly growing businesses, which Rowan has talked about. Uh, I mean, Alibaba is very well positioned in several growth areas, like the growth of e-commerce, cloud services, logistic services, video streaming, and, and more. And they are number one or number two uh, in, uh, when it comes to market share in each of these areas where they are present. And then we also have the, the underlying strong growth, pre I mean, the predicted strong growth of Asia and China going forward. So, I mean, with the top line uh, CAGR, a compound annual growth rate, the next five years, which is 20%, and a P of 17 on the current, I mean, the, the, the projected 2022 earnings, it, it definitely would be interesting to follow both the stock and the company uh, going forward. So, uh, so I, I just want to make a, I mean, a full disclosure is that I personally own uh, Alibaba, uh, uh, Alibaba shares. Um, and another disclosure is that I do not personally own any Alibaba shares. So that brings um, us to an end of our discussion on Alibaba. Thank you very much for listening to um, our first episode and stay tuned for more